Welcome to the season of Advent. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Advent is a meaningful season. When we are getting ready for Christmas, four weeks anticipating the arrival of Jesus, the main reason for Christmas. When you read some of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you will notice there's a recurring phrase of the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like, dot, dot, dot. That phrase precedes a parable, a story, an analogy, a way that Jesus used to connect with the first century audience. And it was a way to resonate contextually so they would best understand the meaning, what he was trying to get to. So the kingdom of God, for example, is like the landowner or the master or in the historical original sense, um, the master of slaves, the parable of the good Samaritan, the parable of the bridesmaids, of the wicked farmers, the talents, etc. So this morning I want to share with you a modern day um, analogy that resonates in my home of what Advent looks like in my house. And Advent is like waiting to see, with deep hope may I add, but waiting to see when David, my husband, will hang up the exterior Christmas lights around the house. Will this be the year, yay or nay, we don't know. Because my beloved husband will do whatever it takes to, for his family. And he will go to the ends of the earth to be the most engaged Christian father and husband. But he will not put up Christian, uh, Christmas lights every year. He hates it. Based on the historical trend in our family for the last 17 years, he tends to put them up every five to seven years. He put them up when Isa was born in 2006. He put them up when Elena was born in 2014. And the last one, which is quite the determining factor of why I think this year may not happen, he put them up last year, 2019. So as you may know, that was just six months after we moved into this wonderful community of Coral Springs, new home. And as you can imagine, like most people who move into a new area, we were homesick, particularly for the holidays. So of course, David did whatever he could to make it feel festive and homey. But now what I have to hold on to with deep faith and hope, and so does Isa and Elena, is we have two things that we can hope for, and perhaps he will be inspired to do it again. It's been a tough year, right, COVID-19, and perhaps he'll feel pressured for the fact that I have disclosed online and in person. However, that hasn't worked out in the past, but I can always hope. So that's what Advent is like at my house. Advent is a season which starts today for four weeks, and we are going to invite you, I want to invite you to wait expectantly for something is to happen. That's what Advent means. And something greater than all that we see before our eyes with our natural eyes. And I'm going to add that there is actually something greater, certain, and everlasting to take place. 
So today I'm going to kick off with a four-week sermon series, Advent series, and I'm going to call it The Days Are Coming. The days are coming for the good news in tough times. There may be less gatherings this year, less traveling, less parties, perhaps less gifts under the tree. In a much more complex level, there may be deep mourning for loved ones we've lost or the grieving the distance in between. For all of that, one thing remains, the greatest gift of all. And for all of those setbacks and hardships I just mentioned, one thing remains. Jesus, the Word, became flesh. The healer, the promised one, the Savior always shows up. Jesus is born. That is what we remember during Advent, uh, Advent season and what we're going to celebrate. The light of the world has come. And there's also something yet to be experienced fully. For now, though, do you want to be rekindled to share and show the hope, the greatest gifts, hope, love, joy, and peace as promised and as possible with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. One helpful way to inform our faith, to understand how this is so, is by going to the main source, scriptures. So I'm going to invite you to read with me excerpts of Mark 13. It's a long chapter, so I'm going to simply pick a few, and I encourage you to read the entire chapter at another point on your own time. Let us read together, starting with verse 24, and it reads like this. In those days, after the suffering of that time, the sun will become dark, and the moon won't give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken. Notice how that is starting off quite gloomy and quite descriptive as if there's a doomsday coming. I continue reading. Then they will see the Son of God coming in the clouds with great power and splendor and glory. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. This is verse 28, and here's an ancient allegory about to be used. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that he is near at the door. I assure you that this generation won't pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Verse 33, beware, keep alert, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like, here comes another parable, it is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he might find you asleep 
when he comes suddenly. Last verse, 37. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. Keep awake. And this just little portion that I, that I read is said three times. And it's said actually a few more times in the entire chapter. Three times implies that it is of great significance. It is very important to see the theme of being alert. And I'm going to make the case this morning that this is the most important theme. The takeaway of this passage is that in, during Advent season, it's the time to keep alert, to be expectant, to not be found unprepared, neglectful, and inactive. This is one of the biblical texts where the spotlight is often put on something else rather than in being alert. Because it, starts, because it starts so gloomy and quite descriptive, this is one of those texts that is often read as if there's a destructive apocalypse to anticipate. So much of this chapter makes reference, here's the truth or the bigger picture, so much of this chapter makes reference to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And the temple in Jerusalem was damaged or destroyed more than once. We're told in the Old Testament throughout scripture and historical references that the Babylonians destroyed the temple uh, 580 plus years before Christ. Then we know how the Romans destroyed the temple 70 AD in the year of the Lord. Jesus taught the disciples, and you can read that in the text of this chapter. He told the disciples, guys, all of these large stones, all of this expansion of great buildings, all this will be destroyed. It will come to pass. Not one stone will, left, will be left upon another. You can read that in verse 1. All of this passes away. But my word prevails, says the Lord. Today you, you, you may visit the remains the way I saw in Holy Land back in February. And there's not much left. There is the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. And it is a sacred, beautiful, historic, historical remembrance of what it is and what it was. But that's all that it's left so this passage is not denying a crisis. In fact, when you read the whole chapter, it speaks of the false prophets with false teachings. It speaks of the political turmoil and the natural disasters. You can read that from verses 5 through 8. Then another segment goes about how the church will be persecuted, the Jews and the Gentiles. But that segment finishes off with the text like this. It is the beginning of the birth pangs. That implies new life. That, as, as many mothers may know, there is pain during labor. But then usually we all say it was worth it. There's something new and greater that we were expecting, and it has taken place. In another portion, uh, portion of the text, it also finishes the doom kind of part with the phrase, the one who endures will be saved. 
Salvation, not suffering, not sin or sickness, gets the last word. Believe that and expect that. So this part, Mark 13, is a prophetic word for reassurance, for repentance, and for rekindling. Please know that you will read it how the disciples asked Jesus, no, 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 but in order to be prepared, tell us exactly when it's going to happen. That is in verse 4. Jesus did not answer that. He responded with an emphasis on, no, what you need to focus on is how to live in the in-between. Don't ignore it. Honor it. Be alert. Live it like you mean it. Some people spend more time decoding these kind of text, the very same text that not even Jesus disclosed. Jesus did not teach through the lens of destruction. You will not read when the fig tree loses its leaves, you will know the winter's coming, the end. That's not how Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke like this. Look at the fig tree. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. Hear the good news, brothers and sisters and friends. Some of you may remember how at the end of 1999, there were conspiracy theories going around about the end of times. Be ready for the time has come and stockpile food and make sure you have all the supplies because it's the end of time. And in some places today, we are running out of toilet paper again. And after the year we've had here and all around the world, unfortunately, many conspiracy theories have infiltrated into our thoughts, including the church, to, to focus on fear and, 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 and the doomsday of something negative and horrific, the apocalypse, to happen. That's misread, misreading the text. Remember that there are people in every generation who are convinced that their generation will be indeed the last one. In my dismissing the fulfillment in time, I am not. But what I am challenging and I am confronting is the focus on fortune-telling approaches. That's not what Jesus wants us to focus on. This passage makes the case for how we are to focus on how we should wait, how we should live in this in-between, in the now and the not yet. Advent, what is, what was, and what is yet to be, now and the not yet. The days are coming Life may not be as it used to be. Some may say that things are worse, period. But like every generation, we live with joys and sorrows, victories, defeats, and setbacks. We laugh, we grieve. God created this life to be lived with purpose, explore the meaning, and endure, 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 
work productively and wait expectantly. Be alert. The passage that I read also has an analogy about a master who leaves home putting in charge a doorkeeper to be on watch. What a responsibility. It has to do with making sure that the doorkeeper stayed at night when it was expected to have thieves, unexpected visitors, unwanted visitors to come around. The doorkeeper had to make sure that everything was kept in order. A rooster, it makes a reference to a rooster. In modern day, all that is, it's an alarm clock. I use an alarm clock every single morning. And when that alarm clock goes off, I wake up not thinking, thank you, alarm clock, it's doomsday. The alarm clock's purpose is to make me to wake up and to believe that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it and do what we can. Do what we believe we can do to bring God the glory to be godly people, for the joy comes in the morning. The days are coming. So there's no time for complacency. There is a need to be awakened and be rekindled. Imagine what our community would be like if all of us lived with our spiritual eyes opened and our hearts opened to actually see miracles happening all around us, to believe that God's grace is mighty and activated, and through us, great things are yet to be done. Sometimes with all that is going on, it is very disheartening. Please know that I get that, I live that. There are times that I feel that same way. And I have another modern analogy that resonates with me. Sometimes it's so hard to believe the way I don't believe, I'm a true skeptic of persons who go to the beach with the metal and gold detector device, I actually don't think they will ever find anything. I think it's a waste of time, actually, and I'm sorry if you've done that. But the truth is that although it's very difficult to find, finding valuables and treasures have been found using that. And I found it very interesting that it is believed and research shows that there is a higher possibility or probability to find valuables after a storm. Isn't that interesting? And yet I will tell you, it seems so difficult and so unreachable that I just don't believe in that. And sometimes that's how it feels in this lifetime based on all that we see. Amid the tough times, there are, there is a good news. The Lord comes in glorious ways. There are signs in our times. Hope, love, peace, and joy. The greatest gift. Be alert. May we be believers of that. Embarking in the quest to see that happen. So ask yourself, do you do everything you can with a sincere motivation to please God in every way? You see, that is to be awake or to be alert. Ask yourself, do you collaborate? Do you truly want to collaborate with the Holy Spirit to empower you, to fill you, to refuel you, and work through your life? You see, that is what it means to stay awake 
and alert. Why is there so much injustice in this world if a good God exists? While God is in the midst, and there's so much I could say to that, for now, I'm going to also say, what if we focused also or maybe more on the question of, how about us as God's vessels? Maybe sometimes it's because of our sluggishness, of our neglectfulness, of our fear, of our hesitation to make a difference. And sometimes we are the ones leading the confusion and the injustice in the world. What if God is calling you and me to be a doorkeeper, to watch out? And what does that look like in modern terms in a way that you resonate with? Think about it. Actually think about it and come up with a way you can describe that. What may sprout out of that? Perhaps new perspective, a deeper meaning, a greater meaning the actual possibility to reconciliation through repentance. The days are coming. For a person with agnostic views, by definition, an agnostic person is one who is unconvinced, who won't commit to any belief because they're a skeptic, they doubt, they're undecided. So here's the challenge with that. When I ask an agnostic to then embark on a journey to, to, to study this, but fairly, right? At least put intentionality and motivation. When I hear the no, because I don't believe, think about it as a contradiction. Because if I've already made up my mind, I'm making an absolute claim. I am actually then convinced, not a skeptic, not indifferent. I'm convinced that this is not true. So that is an absolute stance. For one who's skeptic but truly skeptic, if you're so undecided and uncommitted, then first embark in a journey with a true motivation, and then we shall talk. And I do believe that God will do what only God can do. For all the children who are not near and present with their parents and grandparents due to distance, status, family crisis, let us rekindle the light of hope. And for all of us who are fortunate enough to have our children near and present, let us be grateful and rekindle the light of love and hope and stand for peace and rejoice. On behalf of all the children, like particularly girls in some places around the world where they are not, they're forbidden of receiving education only because they're girls. Let us rekindle the gift of hope and love for that. That is one that resonates in my home because we have two girls. So it is important that we make a difference on behalf of that reality. On behalf of the spouses who were taken too soon because they were in the active duty or life happened, tragedy happened, let us rekindle the light of hope and peace and joy. And for those of us who have the spouses near and present, let's embrace ours. For those marriages who were not able to remain together, let us rekindle the light of hope to move forward and love and reconciliation even if it's respectful and just civil, etc., 
And for those of us who have our spouses, let us rejoice and rekindle the light of joy. For persons who endure serious illnesses, let us rekindle the light of hope, joy, peace, and love. And for those of us who are healthy, let us rejoice too. For persons who have lost faith, let us rekindle, be alert, be watchful for them. Let us see how we can show and share all these signs. The days are coming when the light of the world will be seen by every knee and every mouth will confess that Jesus is Lord, God Emmanuel, God with us. Welcome to our Advent season. God bless you.